God's really given me a burden about this over this last week. So let's open with prayer. So Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for an open heaven and your glory is here tonight. And I thank you for your precious Holy Spirit moving upon your people tonight. Everyone that's going to be listening or watching this from whatever format they're using, I thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit moving upon us tonight, that people feel the presence of the Lord. And because of the Holy Spirit moving upon us, we're kind of locked in, tuned into what God is saying, to be able to have minds to understand, because it's, we can't always understand everything, but the Holy Spirit will teach us and help us to understand things that we couldn't before. And Lord, as you move upon us, that we have eyes and ears of the Spirit and good soil of hearts and minds and lives. And I thank you for speaking through me your words of truth, like seeds of life, Sown into good soil, watered by the Holy Spirit, take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains until Jesus comes. And everything will be accomplished in and through this time that your will to be done. Lord, I thank you for it. And we take authority because Jesus said the birds of the air try to steal the sea. We bind the enemy. He will go from this place and time and this word. In Jesus' name right now, we break his power. You are bound and you will go from it now. You will not hinder this word in any way from getting where it's supposed to and accomplishing what's supposed to. We break your power in the name of Jesus. But we thank you, Lord. The winds of your spirit carry this out among the nations. And we stand on the promise the word of God will not return void, but will go forth and accomplish that which the Lord has sent it to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to pray for people tonight. And in some ways, this is probably the beginning of the conference we're in the first day, and as the sun sets, we've left day one, moving into day two of the Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot. And Tabernacles, prophetically on God's timeline, the rapture is the Feast of Trumpets, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement is the Tribulation, and Tabernacles is when Christ comes to reign on the earth for a thousand years. And so there's a couple things about this that always sticks out to me. One is that Abraham was looking for a city whose maker and builder is God. We know that. He was a pilgrim wandering in a foreign land. And that's how we, we're supposed to live. That tabernacles, if, if you think about it, the Feast of Tabernacles to live in those flimsy booths and how God's people lived in these flimsy tents and booths, so to speak. And they, they lived like a pilgrim people in Canaan. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they lived that way as though they were just foreigners in that land. And God has called us to live that way. Number two, I think about God's presence tabernacling among us. And it always makes me also think of the soon coming of Jesus Christ during these fall feasts. So it helps us to be ready. But I want to talk tonight about something that's a burden to me, and it has been for a long time. There's a famine in the land. And I don't believe personally, this is my opinion, and it's not going to change just because maybe somebody doesn't like it, but I don't believe that some, some of the 90s revivals, one in particular, was supposed to end the way it did. There was credible prophecies about things continuing on, and I just don't believe that it was intended to be that way. But how many knows that when revival comes, Satan begins to attack revival? And let me tell you, he will always try to put some manipul manipulative, controlling little Jezebel right in the middle of it to hinder the move of God. Have you ever realized that? Every time. 
He'll also try to use religious people, religious men and women, to stifle and kill the move of God. He wants to bring division, and he wants to suppress the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And unfortunately, there has been a... uh, Things have gone sideways, in my opinion. I think that America should have seen more than what it did, but I believe God is a God of restoration. So I don't want this to be a negative thing, really. I just want it to maybe produce a burden in people. How many knows that God wants us to have his burden? The Bible says Jesus ever lives to make intercession. And many times I've heard these intercessors that we have here, and some people hearing this have literally never been around intercessors, so they have no idea what I'm talking about. But I've heard the Holy Spirit really begin to move in deep prayer, and I hear these intercessors weeping in that deep, calling unto deep and that groaning and travailing, and, and they're, they're connected to our great high priest who ever lives to make intercession. And I realized, and I've thought this many times, that the heart of Jesus Christ right now is so broken in intercession and that they're feeling that and they're praying that. So I want you to think about this tonight as I preach this, that God may be put in you a burden that produces prayer because that's going to be what makes things happen. It's not going to be complaining about it. It's not even going to be just seeing the problem. That's not really not going to do anything. It's going to be people that really have enough of a burden in them to really begin to pray earnestly until something happens. And so there is a famine in the land today, Amos 8.11. The Bible says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread nor thirst for water, but a famine for hearing the words of the Lord. We're living in a time when you can go to a lot of places and hear a lot of motivational speeches, but you're not going to hear too much of the word of the Lord, what God is actually saying. See, you'll have a lot of times somebody may lick their finger and stick it up in the air and whatever people want to hear, that's what they're going to talk about. Wherever the winds are blowing, you know, whatever's popular. Whatever is going to make people happy. But they're not really hearing, thus says the Lord, and it's really the Lord. And also it goes on to say, and the people shall wander from sea to sea. That's what it's produced. I was just talking today, actually, with my wife because I've known people down through the years, and there are many people that are doing really well spiritually that were in revival as I was. In fact, there's some powerful ministries that were birthed in the 90s revivals like this was. But there's also many that have gotten away from the Lord or gotten away from church or definitely gotten away from revival. And I thought about one person in particular that God really used in the 90s revivals. And to see this person now that doesn't even believe in Christianity anymore. And God really used this person. They've walked completely away from the Lord and become some spiritual guru it's just really sad. And if I said who it was, it would shock you. But here's, here's my concern right now. When revival wanes and we're not seeing the move of God like we need to, the people shall wander from sea to sea. They're, they're out there like sheep without a shepherd. They don't know where to go. I was just talking about this as well. Now, again, this isn't intended to be negative because I'm going to end on a very positive note here. This is intended to produce a burden. For people to pray, okay? But I was just telling my wife, we're talking about sending the kids somewhere for revival and different things. 
let me just assure you that it's not like it was 20 years ago. I don't even know where to send young people anymore. Where they're actually going to get something that's worth the trip. What fundraise to send us some hyped up thing with smoke and lights and nothing really happens. I mean, look, you understand what I'm saying? Even in my own personal life, I miss being able to go somewhere and really get touched by God. But a lot of times all you're going to go here is just something preached and then you just go home. I mean, what happened to whenever we used to have powerful services and the Holy Spirit would fall and they even had people that would pray with people and the power of God was really there. I mean, people were getting touched mightily. I remember just one time, I, I literally could sit here for 30 minutes straight and just tell stories, but I can't do that because of the sermon. But I remember one time I was at Brownsville and I was just there in the altar and I was so hungry and I was praying, I was seeking the Lord because, listen, I didn't go there to just hear some sermon. I didn't go there just because the worship was good. I went there to get prayer and receive from the Holy Spirit. And God touched me there. And I just remember one of many stories it just so happened Steve Hill was praying by me and came by and just prayed for me and said, fire. But I remember that it was so fast that I was struck to the ground so quickly that everybody around there went, whoa. And Steve just stopped for a minute, prayed over me because it was just like lightning struck. That's what we need. People need the power of God. And God touched my life there. I remember one time I come back, I was going through a spiritual battle, but I went there got prayer. And I was going through so much turmoil, this was a different time, that it was kind of difficult to even feel the Lord moving real deep in my life because of all that I was going, that was going on against me spiritually, if that makes sense. How many have ever been in a funk of spiritual warfare? And I remember getting prayer there, and I was coming back, and I had to drive. It seemed like I was the only one driving. I was with a bunch of wimps and sissies that were sleeping and wouldn't help me drive, okay? So I was driving all the way from Pensacola, pretty much by myself back to Dallas. But when I got into East Texas, I remember the Holy Spirit, something broke and I just began to weep and tremble. And I got all the way that morning. I was, I was working at a particular church, helping with the youth. And the pastor was like, I really need you back. So here I am. I haven't slept all night, mind you. I drive all the way there and um, I get there that morning and some of the elders are praying and I was just walking by, and I remember just praying for a guy and, and uh, just kept going. You know, it's one of the older elders that were there. I was just praying for him, kept going. And I remember he got up, and a few minutes later, and he was just weeping. And he said, I don't know what just happened. This was a dead, dry church, okay? <laughs> so God bless him. And he, he gets up. I don't know what happened, but he's got tears streaming down. He said, "All I felt like a ball of fire in my back. And he said, I feel the power of God here. See, I brought something back with me, you see. We need to be able to go somewhere where God will move in our lives. And we can receive something and bring it back. And I assure you that those days are not common right now. And it grieves me deeply. But it says, the people shall wander. And from the north even to the east, they shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord inquiring for him, requiring it as one requires food, but they shall not find it. And then this is what really grieves me, verse 13. In that day shall their fair virgins and young men faint for thirst. They, it, listen, that's a Bible way of saying their young people, their teenagers will die from spiritual thirst. That's a biblical way of saying, terminology in the Bible, 
that the young people will be dying of thirst. They don't have anywhere to go hardly. And it grieves me because a lot, there's a lot of hype right now. Hype is one thing, but it's empty. I would much rather go somewhere that, that wasn't all hyped up and really received from God than I would to go to something really fancy and go home empty. You understand? And I think most people feel that way. And people are hungry and they're wondering about, and, and the young people are dying of thirst. I can just picture many, it's like spiritually speaking, they're dragging themselves across desert sands looking for something and they don't even know what they're looking for. Many people have never had an encounter with God. And we need to really pray about that because Steve Hill always told me, and it's so true. He said, people need an encounter with Jesus Christ for themselves. You need to be able to go back and point to a time that, that God really moved in your life. And you've you got to have these revival stories. You know, and there's something about I can preach the word, I can pray for people, and I, I've seen a lot of things happen preaching the word and praying for people, but there's a different dimension when you start telling stories, when you start telling revival stories. I guess you could say testimonies. There's something in that that stirs up the younger people within their spirit to say, I want to see that. And I think about the menorah. The menorah is a Hebrew word for the lampstand in the Bible. It represents the word and the spirit. I don't have time to get into it being God's family tree. I've taught on that. But Revelation 2, 4, it says, But I have this against you. Jesus was rebuking the church at Ephesus. He said, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen, repent and do the deeds you did at first, or else I am coming and I will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. How many places have had the power of God in their midst that now are just an empty shell of what they used to be? I've talked to some others again. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm trying to, uh, to impart a burden. Because God wants to move again. But I've talked to some others about this region. I've been in this region since the 90s. I've been here a long time. And I've seen a lot come and go through this region. And I assure you the landscape of DFW Metroplex today versus what it was over 20 years ago, you, it couldn't be any different. Places that used to have the power of God some of them don't even exist anymore. Others have abandoned revival a long time ago for something seeker-sensitive. You wonder why is it that the principalities and powers and the wickedness in the heavenly realms seem to have taken so much ground in America. And, there's, and, and according to secular studies, this is a fact. I know some people hear this and question it. I'm telling you it's true. The fastest growing religion in America is witchcraft. How could that happen in America? Where Judeo-Christian heritage values is, is here, especially in the South. Why is this happening? Why is the warfare in the heavens increasing? Because powerful churches have abandoned what they used to have with God for something seeker-sensitive. And they're focused just on appeasing people. They're preaching to itching ears. They're more concerned with just the numbers than they are the power of God. And we've lost something, something serious. 
And God has given his covenant people his word and his spirit. And I, I don't have time to dwell on this, but just in passing, if you look at the menorah in the Bible, there's the knops and buds and bowls that it look like a little flower um, knops, buds and bowls that were um, they were engraved into the lampstand as they made it. And there was 12 in the center and nine on each branch. It totals 66. It speaks of God's word. And then the seven uh, flames of fire at the top speak of the Holy Spirit. But the church is supposed to have the true word of God. We're supposed to be preaching the word and not only preaching the word, but seeing the fire of God, the power of God. Remember, Brother Holt was telling me that back in, in years ago, he remembered that they would get up sometimes. He remembered one time he was praying and the power of God just blew in from one side to the other and the entire congregation went out under the power of God. That's just a typical church, Pentecostal spirit-filled church that is not a big-name church, mind you, out there in East Texas that knew the power of God. I'm telling you, some of you come from a Baptist background or whatever, but I'm telling you that, that old-time Pentecost back years ago, knew the power of God. They saw people in the midst of church having demons manifest and cast out of them. They saw people miraculously healed. Testimonies. They saw the power of God sweep in and people thrown back, shaking under the power. And people's lives were transformed. I mean, it was one thing just to be touched, but it was another thing when your whole life was radically shaken. And they knew the power of God to come in and literally burn out all that junk out of people. And they used to pray this way. Old time Pentecostal pray, Lord, that you would save them and sanctify them and fill them with the Holy Ghost. How many, how many remember that praying? You know what they were saying? God, that you would let them be born again, that you would cleanse them deeply and Lord, baptize them in your fire. And that's a powerful prayer. But that has seemed to go by the wayside. And here's what it's produced. Even back around 2000, I have a, a, a sermon from a minister that I really love and respect. He's gone home to be with the Lord. But he was saying back then, this is around the year 2000, he said that studies back a decade before that we're saying in a mainline Pentecostal denomination that a small percentage were speaking in tongues. And he said now, 10 years later, it's much smaller. And he said this in the year 2000 or so. It was around 2000. He said if things continue like they are in 20 years, it'll be almost non-existent. Look at today. 20 years later, he was right. So-called Pentecostal churches, nobody speaks in tongues. Where's the power of God? The baptism in the Holy Ghost. Psalm 104, verse 4. He, he's talking about angels here. He says, he will make his winds his messengers and flaming fire his ministers. Listen, God wants to set us ablaze and baptize us in fire that we will burn for him. And let me, let me give you an example. Because I'm talking about the menorah, the lampstand, okay? And the menorah of the tabernacle. What was in there is a wick that was in each one of those seven branches was actually the white garments of the priest that got soiled and dirty over time. They would simply take those old linen garments and they would rip them and they would have little shreds there and they would twist it up and they used that as a wick and they would just simply fill it with oil and set it ablaze. 
What is the message in that? That we as the priests of the Most High are supposed to be dipped and saturated in oil and set ablaze to burn for Him. That people see the fire of God in our lives. And I think about the height from which we've fallen. And even now, even as I'm preaching, this is a good crowd, but even as I'm preaching, you can just feel just in the atmosphere of this region and all over this nation, something that has lulled people to sleep where they don't even sense the urgency anymore. It's true. Just kind of yawning. If you're not careful, you're going to lose your kids and grandkids. You better wake up because we need a revival. And they're going to respond to the power of God. And it's a story I've told many times, but it's so relevant. I'm thankful God gave me this story. There was a guy named Vern, and I'll never forget his name because how many remember Ernest from back in the 80s? He started with Brahms commercials. Something about Vern? Okay. Anyway, he was hilarious, but I remember this guy that came and, and, and fixed my AC. I was living in East Texas. His name was Vern. And he was there, and so I had to go somewhere, but I wanted to witness to him. And these were during the days of revival. And I was talking to him about Jesus, and he was just very uninterested. And this is what he told me. He said, look, man, I, I've got, I work with a guy that is a preacher, and he's always got his Bible with him. He talks to me all the time about Jesus. I've heard it all. There's nothing you're going to say to me. I haven't already heard 10 times. I'm tired of hearing it. I said, all right, I'm not going to bother you. And while I'm talking to him, all of a sudden, Vern starts shaking. And his face starts turning red. His eyes start watering. And he's, he starts acting like he's going to cry. And this was, a, this was a manly man, you know. And I'm sitting there looking at him like, Vern, what's going on? And he said, he asked me, he said, what's going on with me? And I said, well, Vern, the Lord is trying to save you. That's the power of God on you. And he asked me, he said, well, what, what do I do to be saved? And I led him in a prayer, and he, he was really touched by God. I assure you that the guy before me probably said a lot more eloquent words and probably did a lot better job of witnessing to Vern. Was, I mean, he probably, you know, the scripture about one sows and other waters and all that. He sowed, I mean, he did a good job. But Vern wasn't going to get saved till the power of God showed up. Vern was a hard-headed, stubborn little man, right? But the power of God broke that in him. See, the Bible says that none can come unless the Father draw him. And it takes the Holy Spirit to draw people unto salvation. I think about the hard-hearted, stubborn people that I saw at the Brownsville Revival run down and get saved. There was so many testimonies. I mean, it's hard to even begin with all of them. But I remember that there was, there was one time that, believe it or not, true story, the uh, Playboy had brought a bunch of girls out to the beach to take photos. And they had asked the girls that were there that were posing in all this had asked somebody, so where's the action in Pensacola? And they asked somebody that, that said, well, it's over here. And they took them to the church. This, this is a true story. And they got to a church and they said, come on, man, this is a church. I don't know what you're up to. And he said, well, trust me. He said, the action's here, I'm telling you. If it, in Pensacola, everybody knows about this place. People come in from all over the world. They fill up these hotels. I'm telling you, you asked me where the action was, this is where it's at. And they said, all right, well, whatever, we'll go in, you know. 
Did you know they went in there and they got saved? So many stories like that where people came in, it was like, you know, difficult situations that hardened hearts, stubborn people. But it's not going to be our human effort and it's not going to be our eloquent words. It's not going to be all these other things. It's going to be the power of God that's going to do it. And I think about Duncan Campbell who talked about that in the Isle of Hebrides. Hebrides had gotten, listen, you ought to look into this story if you've never studied this revival in Hebrides because it's really quite amazing. But that little island, they, they had gotten so backslid and they were concerned about the young people because they were not going to church. They didn't care about God. And there was two elderly women and they were sisters and they couldn't, they were so elderly and, in, and their health wasn't good that they couldn't really get out anymore and go to church. But they had committed themselves to deep prayer for the island and they were crying out for revival. And one of them contacted their pastor and said, listen, look at the state of the church. It's declining and look at our young people that aren't interested. Said we need a revival. And so they said, would you please gather the people to pray? And so the pastor felt it. And he asked the people that would come to pray. And they started meeting in this barn. And there was around seven, between seven to 12, that began to join the pastor. And they began to really pray for revival. And as they were praying, it was dead. It was dry. Nothing was happening. But one young man one night that was there praying, he got a hold of that scripture in Psalms that says, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? He that has clean hands and a pure heart and has not lifted up his soul to vanity, the idols, nor sworn deceitfully, he will receive the blessing of the Lord. And so he began to read that and he said to the Lord, Lord, are my hands clean? Is my heart pure? And he began to pray that and the other people started hearing him talk about that. Lord, are our hands clean? Is, are our hearts pure? We're praying for revival out there, but how are we doing spiritually? And they began to repent before the lord and duncan campbell recounts the story that as they begin to repent and say lord forgive us for our sin forgive us for our hands that aren't clean our hearts that are not pure and they begin to intercede that the power of god fell in the barn and duncan campbell recounts the story and he says he said that a revival was birthed in that barn in barvis that before it was done in a couple of years had swept to the whole isle of lewis and it was shaken by the power of god an untold number of people got saved. And he said years later, he said, you can go back to that island. He said, you almost hear nothing of backsliding because the people were so radically touched by the power of God. Amazing stories of the Holy Spirit falling in an area. And in the middle of the night, they come and get Duncan Campbell during this two-year window. He goes there at church in the middle of the night, mind you. Did everybody catch that? In the middle of the night. All these people are there to come in. And they let him in the church and they're all, you know, just weeping. And he says, how did they even know to come to the church? And he was asking some of them, and they said, I don't know. I just felt this overwhelming burden. It woke me up in the middle of the night that if I didn't get my life right with God, I was going to go to hell. And that, that was the power of God coming on those people. He said, we didn't know what to do, so we just made for the church. And listen, that'd be one thing if it's one or two people. 
it was a lot of people just started wandering in from different houses. All of a sudden, Duncan's got to have a church service and, and get these people right with God. And that type of story was not uncommon through that revival. For two years, God shook that island. And people still talk about it to this day. Listen, it's not going to be our eloquent words. It's not going to be our fancy programs. It's not going to be our big buildings. It's not going to be all these other things. It's going to be the power of God himself coming down. And I think about the height from which we've fallen. I think about the baptism in the Holy Spirit today has almost vanished. The teaching on it, the doctrine of it, understanding what it is, praying for people in the altar to receive it, I assure you that it's almost completely gone. Even among mainline denominational churches that used to be Pentecostal, you don't see it. Altar calls to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, people down there praying for them to receive it, you don't see that anymore. I remember when I was quite young, that there was an altar call at some, it, it was actually when Central was at the high school, because I remember it, because I remember going down and I wanted, I wanted that. I said, Lord, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was probably 12, 13. But I remember it was Mickey Mixon, pray with me. Pray with me that night, or that morning rather, and I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. See, even when I was growing up in church, there was altar calls for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Tongues has diminished radically. It's all about, well, don't, you know, you don't want to offend somebody. Are you kidding me? Listen, this is the day and age when it seems like everybody is offended about everything, a bunch of big crybabies. Just have church. If they get offended, they get, you know, Steve Hill used to say, I'll, I'll speak it to you in King James. Be ye offended then. You know, we need that back again, right? If you're going to get offended, and listen, you know what? Tongues, the Bible says this. It says it is a sign to the unbeliever. So quit twisting the scriptures. It is a sign to the unbeliever. And whether you like it or not, on the day of Pentecost, the reason 3,000 got saved is because they gathered to wonder about those people speaking in tongues up there. I think about deep intercession. Kenneth Hagin warned us, and I've got it in writing. I, I'm telling you, Kenneth Hagin warned that if intercessors did not carefully pass it to the next generation, it would be lost, and it has been lost. Deep intercession, groans too deep for words, travail. And I talk about some of those that grew up in Pentecost say, don't you remember the intercessors? Oh, yeah, I remember. And, brother, you come in before church. They'd be in there praying and groaning and travailing. Brother Ralph talks about in the church he grew up in. Everywhere all over America... These Pentecostal churches used to have intercessors that would groan and travail and get deep in prayer, and they were the secret power to the church. And then what about the meat of the word? People making sermons about Legos. Give me a break. People talking about goofy stuff, trying to what use quotes out of um, movies and things like that. Look, let's get back to the meat of God's word and preach the word. And quit. And it doesn't need to keep being this spiritual joke that it's been. Let's get away from the motivational speeches. Let's preach in a way where people are convicted. Let me tell you, it is a very strong concern of mine that people can come to a church week in and week out for years and never be convicted of their sin. That 
is screaming to all of us that there's something seriously wrong with that church. Jesus himself said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin. If you're really preaching the word, then the Holy Spirit will come in and he will convict people. They won't be able to sit there in their immorality and in their sin and be comfortable in it. They're going to squirm and they're either going to come down and get saved or they're going to flee. But listen, when revival comes, Derek Prince used to say this, the first thing God will do when revival comes is he will electrify the fence. You can't sit on it anymore. Either you're going to get on one side and go after God or get on the other side and leave, but you're not going to be able to be a hypocrite anymore. The game plan is over. This isn't about religion. It's about the power of God coming in and changing people. Either you're going to accept Jesus or you're not. And today churches are dead and have replaced the power of God with entertainment. Can I get a big amen there? People have replaced the power of God with entertainment. It's obvious. Now, I don't want to leave this on a negative note because God's about to fall. And I believe when the Holy Spirit gets poured out and God comes down, he's going to deal with some things. There's about to be hubs of revival again. And I believe people that have a desperate burden to see it are going to see it. Listen, God is a God of restoration, and it's time to restore his power back to the church. I remember Brother Holt told me that because I'd go, go see him periodically. And he told me one time years ago, he said, you know, I, I noticed that you keep coming back here and us having these meetings together, and him and I will pray together in his office. You ought to feel the power of God in there. And he told me, he said, you know why you keep coming back around here? He said, the power of God. You're hungry for the power of God. I'm hungry for the power of God. It's the power of God that's keeping us in communication, and it is. There's still a remnant. Satan has been trying his hardest to stomp out any trace of revival, but I assure you. So Brother Ralph had a vision years ago, and some of you might remember this because he shared it here. He said that it seemed as though revival had waned. And he was really grieved by it, and he said that he was praying one day, and he saw a field. God gave him a vision. It was like this field, but it's as though the field had been burned with fire, and it was just a black, charred field. There was soot, and he was looking at it, but he saw that there were little places where there was still a little bit of smoke kind of coming up out of it. And as he went over to it, he saw that you needed to take like a stick and you needed to stir around in there and kind of restoke that fire again and put wood on it and it would come back. How many have been camping? And you know what I'm talking about. The fire starts going out. What do you do? You take and you stoke the fire. You blow on it. You put more wood on the fire and you get the fire going again. And Brother Ralph told me, he said in the vision, God told him that there, there were still embers of revival. And that's us, I'm telling you. And there's others out there. There's still some burning embers of revival. And whenever I was sharing that, I believe it was the Holy Spirit put it on Brianna's heart. But that's where she got the name Emberly from was that vision. And it was. Is there's still embers of revival that are burning. And so I believe that God still has a remnant out there that has not bowed their knee to Baal, nor have they kissed him. But they still are on fire for God. And I believe God's going to breathe on us again. And he's going to stoke that fire. He's going to stir up what's in us through the laying on of hands. He's going to set us ablaze again. And he's going to once again make his ministers flames of fire. And he's going to have hubs of revival. And God's going to restore. 
So this is what the Bible says in Joel 2.25. I will restore or replace for you the years the locusts have eaten. The hopping locusts, stripping locusts, crawling locusts. The locusts have come in and they have, have devoured. But God is going to restore. In 1 Thessalonians 1.5, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. So God is not just going to come in word, but he's going to come in power. The lampstand is not just the word of God. It is also the power of God. I remember a friend of mine on Facebook put, there was a conference of cessationists. Now, cessationists believe that all the gifts and all revival and everything died with the early church. How boring of a conference could you possibly have by gathering a group of cessationists and having them up there preaching to a group of cessationists? What are they going to talk about? Man, that would be like a snooze fest. So 1 Thessalonians 1.5, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but in power. 1 Corinthians 5.20, The kingdom of God consists of and is based on not just talk, but power. And the Bible says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I remember Steve Hill asked us, you know, there was a group that called from Finland years ago, I think it was 2004, and they wanted him to come. He couldn't get away, and so he had sent a group of us. It was me and about five guys. And I remember he laid hands on us. He had us all put our hands in the middle. He prayed for us and sent us on his behalf. And I tell you, it was, it was neat because when we got there, there was all these young people. I mean, seriously, there, was, there had to be somewhere between five to 7,000 young people gathered into this area in Finland. And they, it was very different than here. They had a huge tent like what you'd see back in the 40s and 50s. And it was summertime, but it was cold there still. It, different, very different from Texas, right? And so it was still cold, especially late at night, early in the mornings. And all these young people were there. And as they came in, and I remember that we preached, and one of the messages I preached was a message of repentance, calling them to come down and get saved and get their life right with God. And I preached against sin. And after we began to preach the word of God, everybody say the word. I wasn't afraid of the crowd, and neither were those with me. I wasn't afraid of the religious people. In fact, there's a few people got mad at me for preaching it straight. I'll never understand that. But anyway, the power of God fell, and all these young people started getting saved. And then we started going through and just praying for people, and we saw people by the hundreds, by the thousands, all over that tent, as far as you could see, out under the power of God. People were getting delivered of things. God transformed lives. Why? Because it wasn't about just the word, but it was about the power of God. Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even to the remotest parts of the earth. The power of God. You will be an effective witness when the power of God comes. The famous story I've told many times, Dr. Cho, his mother-in-law would witness, people would cry. He would witness, people want to beat him up. He said, what am I doing wrong? And she said, you need the baptism in the Holy Ghost. You need the power of God. And so he was desperate because, I mean, it was not going well for him. And so he goes out and he jokes around and says, I went out there and hugged a tree and I wasn't leaving until God touched me. He said, I'm not leaving this tree. Long and short of it, he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Comes back, he starts witnessing, people start crying. The power of God comes. Now think about, there's been people that we've, in years gone by, we've seen get saved as we went out witnessing. The power of God came upon them. 
And I'll never forget, I wish Fernando was here tonight because it was kind of a funny story. But these guys, I love, it's my favorite people. I hope as God sends revival to River of Life, all the religious Pharisees and Sadducees go to another church. Amen. Amen. Let's get a whole bunch of people that are unchurched and just say, here's the word and here's the power of God. And I remember um, Fernando came in. He had never been around church. He didn't know anything about it. And we had prayed for them. And I remember the power of God hit him. He fell out. And he gets up and he was, because he couldn't hardly move. How many have felt that before? I felt that many times. The Holy Spirit comes upon you. And he was looking at his arm. And he was looking, what is this? I said, it's the power of God, Fernando. And I remember also just praying for them. It, listen, the simplicity of just telling it like it is. I said, you guys, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you need to speak in tongues. So when we pray for you, it's going to be there. You ready? Okay, pastor, we pray for them. Pow, they're hit by the power of God. Guess what? They speak in tongues. Just the simplicity of just preaching it straight. And I remember I ministered for a group of young people for a time, and it was from every type of background you can imagine, the different ethnic group, different uh, backgrounds. I mean, it was very eclectic. And so I'd preach, and I just preached the word, and I just prayed for people. And that was it. There wasn't any religion. There wasn't anything denominational. It was just the word and the power of God. Testimonies after testimonies of these young people being delivered of things, healed. I mean, demons coming out of healed of things, baptizing the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, having to be carried out. And some funny stories during that time. But one girl, because everybody was getting hit by the power and shaking and falling and all that, she was, I guess, scared. And so I noticed, though, every time I was on this side of the room, she was on like the furthest corner of that room if i moved over here she went over there and she was trying to avoid me you know and i didn't care i was like well she don't want prayer who cares so that's her problem but i was going through praying for people and at some point she ends up there in front of me and i was like do you want prayer yeah but i'm not going to fall and i said nobody's making you fall i was just like lord touch and you know what she went out hard and it was just kind of funny because she was so hard-headed about the whole thing and, you know, time passes and everybody's getting up from being touched by God and, and testimonies and people are, you know, and she's still down. You know, they had to carry that girl out and some people carrying her out. And I heard story after story after story like that, God mightily visiting people and the fires of revival. But we need it again. I think about how, how my daughter got touched so powerfully back at uh, that youth camp y'all went to that time. Yeah. And it was uh, Catch the Fire or something back then or Branded by Fire. That was it. She went to a conference actually with Stephen, Brother Stephen there. Because we, we were, people may not know this, but we were an extension of Steve Hill's ministry in the East. And so we always connected with them and would send our young people with them too. But they went down to Pensacola and there was a conference there for young people. And I remember Brianna got prayer and, and she was going through a difficult time. But she was out under the power of God for like four hours. Did everybody hear how long that was? The people there had to take her and carry her to the vehicle, take her wherever they were staying and put her somewhere and let her just soak in God. They went off and did something, came back. But as you know, God did an inner healing and a major deep work in her there in the floors of Pensacola at that revival. We need that again. Young people need the power of God. So let me give you some things about the baptism of the Holy Spirit in tongues. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 14, 18. 
He said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. So Paul had no problem with speaking in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, 22, So then tongues are a sign not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. So let me give you a few things about tongues. We, number one, we don't always know how to pray effectively. We can pray up until a certain point, and then we don't know what else to pray and the Holy Spirit then can help us in our weaknesses, and He can pray through us in the Spirit. He knows what to pray. And so that's number one. I'll just point out a, a few things. I think it was Bill Hammond wrote a book or something, 50 Benefits of Speaking in Tongues. Okay, so I've only got, what, about maybe seven here? But there's a lot of reasons that we need tongues, okay? But number one, the Holy Spirit can pray through us the perfect will of God, especially when we don't know how to pray. Number two, something everybody seems to overlook is they go through the armor of God. They talk about the helmet, the shield, the sword, the breastplate. They talk about the belt of truth, the shoes, the peace. And then, you know what they don't say? Is number seven, praying in the Spirit on all occasions. That's a part, read it. It is connected to the armor. He said, take up the shield of faith and pray in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit is connected to the armor of God. And why? Because I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit will pray through you what needs to be prayed. Number three, we utter mysteries and get revelation. I've had so many times praying in tongues where God would give me revelation. How many want God to show you things? Praying in tongues will help bring that. I'm telling you, we need this. How many of you guys came from some type of Baptist background and then you came here? You got baptized in the Holy Ghost, <laughs> speaking in tongues. Amen. That's right. Actually, I forgot about my son-in-law came here from a church that didn't necessarily, it wasn't Pentecostal at all. No, he's like, oh, no. So he came here and I remember we prayed for him and you were out for a long time. See, God was getting him ready. That's what it was. So we need that baptism in the Holy Spirit. So also, number four, we must learn to hear and be led by the Spirit. The Bible says those that are, are led by the Spirit are sons of God. Son, sonship means maturity. We've got to be able to hear and be led by the Holy Spirit. Listen, I've had so many times where I didn't know what to do or even how to pray, and I'd have to wait for God to show me what He wanted me to do, what He wanted me to pray. You know, ask my wife. This, this is the truth. We, we looked at circumstances and we're like, man, we don't really know what to do. And then the Holy Spirit would drop something in me usually about you need to pray this direction. And then her and I would agree together in prayer and eventually it would happen because the Holy Spirit was giving us revelation. You've got to learn to hear and be led by the Spirit. And then the next one is we are strengthened the Bible says those that pray in an unknown tongues, you edify yourself. You're strengthening your inner man. Also, you build up your most holy faith. How many knows that we're going to need faith in these last days? When the Son of Man comes, Luke 18, I believe, as you get down to the bottom of the persistent widow, it says, but when the Son of Man comes to the earth, he will find faith. We have got to be a people of faith. It says that the just shall live by faith, and without faith it's impossible to please God. Faith is the shield of our uh, armor, but we must have strong faith. How do we build up our most holy faith? Praying in tongues. 
praying in the spirit. And then the last one is this, not fulfilling the lust of the flesh, but walking in the spirit. Listen, there's always going to be, I hope people hear me tonight, please hear me. The rest of your life, there's always going to be a battle between the flesh and the spirit. And that's why people have different personal struggles that they have. Whatever it is, they may deal with anger. They may deal with being manipulative and controlling bossy type people. They may deal with lust. They may, may deal with irrational fears. All these different things that people have. That's the flesh. But in the spirit, it's different. The Holy Spirit will empower you to die to that flesh and walk in the spirit. And one of the ways we can die to our flesh is by spending time praying in tongues, praying in the spirit. All right. So my question is, I got two more things. My question for you is, how many are really hungry for more? And I'm going to say that this way too, and not meaning to be uh, in any way offensive, but just give you some, or has Satan lulled you into a place of complacency? Think about that for a minute. Are you hungry for more? Or has the devil succeeded in getting you lulled to a place of being comfortable where you're at? Because if you're comfortable where you're at spiritually and you're not hungry for more of the Lord, then something the devil has done something in your life to lull you to sleep and get you in a place of being complacent. My question is, are we really hungry for more? You know who's going to see revival in the days to come? Those that can't live without it. Those that are not content without revival. They've got to have revival. Acts 3.18, these things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he has fulfilled. Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped out in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So just like in the Hebridean revival, those men were praying in the barn. They said, Lord, are my hands clean? Is my heart pure? Forgive me, I repent, cleanse me. As they began to really repent and deal with their sin, you know what the problem is? Many times people are not really repenting. They don't realize it sometimes, but there's still some things there. If we'll deeply repent, then times of refreshing will come. John seven thirty seven. Jesus said, Now in the last day, and this was at Tabernacles, the last great day, Okay, it says the great day of the feast, the last day. And on that day, the priests were gathering in buckets of water, pouring it out at the altar, and they were praying for the rains. Because right after tabernacles, the, the early rains, the former rains come during the uh, late fall, early winter. And then the latter rains will come during the spring. But they were praying that God send his rain. On that day, Jesus stood up and he cried out loudly to everyone there, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Rivers. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Holy Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Now I want you to please look this way and hear me. When Jesus raised from the dead and appeared to the disciples, the disciples were there, and he, they, it was where he revealed himself. Remember, he said, stick your finger in my hand and my side and all that. And then it says this. He said he blew on them. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. 
So why is it then, if they received the Holy Spirit then, that later on the day of Pentecost, they were filled and baptized in the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues? And then later you see where Peter and John again were filled with the Spirit and spoke boldly. And Paul said we need to continually be filled, speaking with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. There's something, what I'm trying to get at is this. There's more. It's not, listen, thank God for what he's done in the past. Thank God for the revival in my life 20 years ago. That was 20 years ago. I want a move of God today. Not just something that happened decades ago. Amen? How many are hungry for something now? Romans 1.16, the commissioning. I felt the Lord put on my heart this. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is what? The power of God. For salvation to everyone who believes, but it's the power of God. People don't realize that this new birth is a resurrection of the dead. It is the power of God to spiritually raise the dead in people. It's the power of God unto salvation. What I'm getting at is this. We need the word of God, but we've got to have it come forth in the power of God. And this is why I felt the Lord tell me for River of Life. In the days to come, there's going to be great change, not just for River of Life, but I believe other places that are desperate and hungry for a move of God. I believe God's going to prod his spirit. It'll be the last great revival before Jesus comes. I believe that's just my opinion. And I believe that this great revival will usher in the coming of Christ. But this is what the Lord put on my heart for me. He said, number one, he said, make much of the cross in the blood of Jesus and the blood covenant of Calvary. Make much about the cross. Talk a lot about the cross. Talk a lot about the blood of Jesus to cleanse and to save. Number one. And then he said, number two, call people to deep repentance and holiness. And then he said, number three, get people free from the bondages of the enemy. Get them free. There's the three things the Lord told me. Preach the cross and the blood. Number two, call people to holiness and deep repentance of sin. And number three, get people delivered. Because it's to prepare a bride for the coming of the Lord. Those three things are going to prepare a bride for Jesus' coming. And people are, are, I hope everybody's hearing this because you're a part of this. Number one, preach the blood. Number two, people need to repent. Call people to repentance. Sometimes the hardest people to really get to repent are religious people. Because they don't realize how full of pride they really are. Think about what I'm saying. And this should convict all of us. I hope everybody's listening and not just packing up. Listen to what I'm saying. Sometimes the hardest people to get to repent are religious people because they've got so much spiritual pride. They're always about, well, I don't understand why things are happening. Listen, deep repentance. Ask the Lord, Lord, is there anything in me? Search me and know me and try me. But you can see pride sometimes in people in their attitude. They really have a problem with the Lord. They have a problem with the fact prayers haven't been answered. And they have a problem sometimes with spiritual authority. It's pride. And that's the great block many times to really going deep in the Lord is that pride. And, that, and the pride, not necessarily here, but out there, the pride in people that causes them to be critical. 
the pride that always wants to be treated special and different and better than other people. The pride of looking down on others. I've seen that sometimes where people come in off the streets or whatever, and you can see that in religious people sometimes. They just look at them like, ugh, you know, like this. Listen, I I love everybody here. I'm not shooting at anybody here. I've just seen it through the years in church. But I assure you that you and I are no better than anybody else. But let's humble ourselves and say, Lord, do in me whatever you got to do. Change in me whatever you need to change. And let God do a deep work. Amen. And those that are listening to this, maybe it's live right now or maybe you're going to listen to it later. I encourage you to really pray that. Lord, show me what I haven't been able to see. Show me things in my life I need to repent of. Do a deep work in me. And I'm telling you, River of Life, this is just what I'm about to say now is just for River of Life only. I don't know what's going to happen with everybody else. But there's a mantle that has been on this ministry. And I'm telling you, God's about to activate a mantle here. And when this thing activates, there's a grace that's going to come where prayers are just going to start being answered. Stubborn things are going to start changing. And I assure you, I promise you, God is going to send angels to help in these last days. They're coming. They are going to move hindrances out of the way. They always have in the scriptures. I don't have time to teach on it. But just think about Daniel praying 21 days. Gabriel was hindered by the prince of Persia until Michael came. Trust me, God is going to send his angels and they're going to remove hindrances. And I'm talking big ones. And when they remove them, it's going to help pave the way for the harvest of souls. How many knows that the harvest of souls is a battleground? And God is going to send an intense move of the Spirit, and it's going to be incredible. But we've got to be ready for it, and we've got to be willing to ride that wave. So, Lord, we just close this out tonight. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you, Lord, for activating. Lord, that what's been in us and upon us through laying on of hands really coming forth. It's time, Lord. Let mantles begin to activate, so to speak. If I could say it that way, it may sound weird, but sometimes there's things that are there, and when it's the right time, it begins to really come forth. Lord, let mantles, let anointings, what's in our lives, or really truly begin to come forth. That we begin to see the power of God like never before, greater than we ever have. Lord, I thank you for sending mighty angels that are going to go to war and they're going to bind up and remove hindrances to your purposes. And Lord, I thank you for shaking everything that can be shaken. Lord, there are strongholds that are out there. There are strongholds in the church world. I assure you that the greatest stronghold in the American church is witchcraft. Bottom line, it is manipulation and control. Controlling domineering type people, controlling religious people. And it is pervasive. Lord, let all of that be shaken. Lord, let there be a shaking that breaks the power of the strongholds. The strongholds of worldliness. The strongholds uh, in the church world of denominational traditions of men and pet doctrines that have blinded people. The strongholds, talking about cessationism. The strongholds of deception that's in the body of Christ. Lord, let all these strongholds be brought down. And that which is of the Lord will come forth. In Jesus' name, Lord, shake all that can be shaken. Let it begin tonight. Let angels be dispatched. Let, Lord, let revival begin to come forth. 
I thank you for breathing upon the harvest field, that you're removing the blinding and the, and the crookedness that's in their thinking, the, the blinding off their minds, that they can't see their need for a Savior, that stronghold that makes some people be able to sit through church and never feel anything, never worship, not even care about God. What type of a stronghold is in those people? That's hinder it. Lord, shake that. Break the power of that demonic bondage in people. That they can't, they just sit there and don't even understand anything about God. Or break the power of that. Shake that. Or break the power in churches. Or break the power in cities and regions in this nation. Lord, I believe with all my heart that there's something behind the scenes financially and in the political realm of this nation that is pure witchcraft and control that's trying to lock up the political trying to lock up the media trying to control the minds of the masses of this nation and you know it and i know it it may sound crazy but it's true they're they're lying every time they get on the air they lie they lie from early in the morning till they go to bed at night they deceive people people that are politically put in power and controlled by others that control them through money. It is control, and, it, and it's a perversion, and it's a stronghold. Lord, let mighty angels come in there, and I mean demolish those strongholds and clean house in Jesus' name. Lord, break the power. Let there be the greatest awakening this nation's ever seen. Lord, it will shake all that can be shaken in this nation, in this region. Lord, let it come forth in Jesus' name. We thank you for it. Break the power of the enemy. And we pray this now in the mighty name of Jesus. And listen, I close with this, but I tell you, we're praying like this, but I assure you this battleground is bigger and stronger and more severe than what you probably can imagine. You're dealing with high-level princes and powers and wickedness in heavenly realms over nations. Look at the turmoil Israel's in. Look at the turmoil. And Israel has Michael literally there. And look at the turmoil they're in. Look at the turmoil our nation's in. It's an end-time battle. But let me just encourage you that God himself is going to pour out his spirit. And when the power of God comes, there is nothing that can stop the power of God. It will come in like a freight train just plowing right through whatever is trying to be resisting it. And God's going to send mighty angels that are going to clear the path. So, Lord, we thank you for it. Let it come in Jesus' name. All right, I want to pray with people tonight.